Welcome back to your therapy tools. This is DBT part three, and I'm glad you're back. So I want to jump into um, vulnerability factors a little deeper. Uh, The last episode focused on some very good vulnerability factors. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought it's important to understand that vulnerability factors can include codependent behaviors. It can include being the victim of a narcissist. It can include living with somebody who has addiction issues, alcoholics, drug addicts, um, sex addicts, um, gamblers, gambling addicts, shopping addicts. The list goes on and on. But if you live with somebody who has an addictive behavior, you're going to struggle and have far more vulnerability factors than you would if you lived with a quote-unquote normal person. And also, if you are dealing with an abusive relationship or an addictive personality or a narcissist, any of the above, you may have fallen into something called learned helplessness, which is another huge vulnerability factor. When we're in a state of learned helplessness, we... um, We have no skills. We have no hope. We don't bother to try. And when you do not work on resolving issues, those issues eat away at you like snakes in your brain. So it's important to understand what learned helplessness is. Do you live with somebody who exhibits this infantilizing, uh, I'm a helpless baby attitude where you have to do everything for this person? Because they just act like they're completely helpless and stupid. And you have to do everything for this person. That's exhausting. That's a vulnerability factor. And you yourself might be feeling like you can't take care of yourself. You can't do anything for yourself. You've you've become the learned helplessness person. Um, whether you're living with one or whether you are one, it's very important to understand that about yourself as a vulnerability factor. And this is this is a big piece of DBT because you have to understand who you are and where you're at in order to really apply the skills. And, and the skills are uniquely tailored to your situation. So you're going to be the uh, psychological seamstress who is going to tailor make your suit of DBT tools for your own personal life. So are you somebody who engages in learned helplessness or do you live with somebody or deal with somebody who is in the grips of learned helplessness? Here's a little test, a little, um, a little, uh, yeah, a little test to, to ask yourself those questions and figure it out. So just kind of jot down in your notebook at the end of me asking these questions, you're going to say yes or no. And think about yourself or somebody else that you think may have infantilized themselves. They've regressed to this infant, helpless infant status, and they need everything done for them. Or are you the person who's regressed to that status due to traumas and due to being highly stressed? And 
it's like you hit that wall, you're a deer in the headlights, and you just feel like you can't function. So think about this. Is it you or is it somebody else in your life? Either way, it is a vulnerability factor that's important to know. Number one, no matter how much energy I put into a task, I feel I have no control over the outcome. Number two, I feel that my ability to solve problems is the cause of my success. Number three, I can find solutions to difficult problems. Number four, I don't place myself in situations in which I cannot predict the outcome. Number five, if I complete a task successfully, it is probably because of my ability. Number six, if I have the ability to solve most of life's problems, I can do it. Number seven, when I do not succeed at a task, I do not attempt any similar task because I feel I would fail. Number eight, when something doesn't turn out the way I planned, I know it's because I didn't have the ability to begin with. Number nine, other people have more control over their success and failure than I do. Number 10, I try new tasks if I have failed similar ones in the past. Number 11, when I perform poorly, it is because I don't have the ability to perform better. Number 12, I accept tasks even if I'm not sure if I will be successful. 13, I feel I have little control over the outcomes of my work. 14, I am successful at most of my tasks because I try. 15, I feel that anyone else could be better than me at most tasks. 16, I'm able to reach my goals in life. 17, when I don't succeed at a task, I find myself blaming my own stupidity and my failure. 18, no matter how hard I try, things never seem to work out the way I want them to. 19, I feel that my success reflects my ability, not chance. And 20, my behavior seems to influence the success of a work group. So obviously on some of those, they were positives, right? I can find solutions to difficult problems. If you say yes to that, then you're, you're not in a state of learned helplessness. If you say, I can, if I complete a task successfully, it's because of my own abilities, that is not learned helplessness. But when you say, if I don't succeed at a task, I will not attempt to do anything similar because I'll fail at that too. That is learned helplessness. So as I went through and read those, did you have more positives or more negatives for yourself or the other person? If there were more negatives than positives, it's highly likely you're in a state or they're in a state of learned helplessness. And the ways to overcome learned helplessness are basically, you know, doing the opposite. So you have to kick your own ass. You have to get yourself up, get yourself dressed, make yourself make an effort. Even if your heart is not in it at first, do it. Because the only way to get those reward centers firing in your brain is to master something, to accomplish something, to feel like you did something productive and you didn't completely fail at it. So the only way to do that is to get your ass up and get out there and do it, no matter what it is. 
And, and, and if it starts with something as small as waking up in the morning and brushing your teeth and taking a shower and taking off the pajamas you've worn for five days and getting dressed, then so be it. That's what you have to do. However, I must stress, I must stress this very strictly. You cannot change the other person. So if the other person in your life is in this state of infantilization, I'm a big baby, I can't do anything for myself, you cannot force them to get off their ass and do things for themselves. You can't change other people. You can only change you, okay? So as frustrating as it might be, you can't change that person. And you're sick of doing everything for them, probably. So um, it's time to focus on you. And if they say they want something done and you don't see them making any effort to do it, you know they're trying to manipulate you into doing it. So you tell them, yeah, it sounds like you really want to get that done. I'm excited to see the results when you complete it. And leave it at that. Don't jump in. Don't help. Don't do it for them. Leave it. Just leave it because they'll continue to manipulate you that way. And if you're living with somebody like that, you already know that's going on and you're probably really sick of it. And that's a vulnerability factor because your fuse is a little shorter now than it used to be, right? So helpless thinking patterns include feeling inadequate, doubting yourself, Reduced levels of motivation because you're just not hitting those reward centers like I just uh, talked about. Um, Approaching new circumstances with extreme caution and very, very low level of trust. You feel stuck. You feel like you're in a brain fog. You have lower achievement and productivity. You feel insecure about yourself. You're not good at problem solving at all. You believe change really doesn't matter because it'll do no good. And you have no ability to persevere when you're under stress. You have no stress tolerance skills. So DBT is going to give you those stress tolerance skills. DBT is going to help you to become more motivated, help you to become unstuck, um, increase levels of motivation, and decrease that self-doubt and that negative inner bully that keeps us from living out loud, okay? Learned co- learned helplessness is a concept easily placed on a continuum, okay? Not everybody feels completely helpless or inadequate. Some might feel it to a certain degree at certain times in life or in certain relationships. And as you develop more confidence and assurance in your abilities, helplessness does diminish. Just like shame diminishes where we show compassion, helplessness diminishes when we have more confidence. So the helplessness, when it comes back, it may be that somebody passes away that you're very close to and you love dearly. You might experience some helplessness for a few days. You might regress back into a tiny infant in a fetal position, curled up on the floor, crying your eyes out. And that is perfectly normal. That's grieving. However, if you're feeling that way because the laundry's piled up, the dishes need to be done, and your car needs to be seen by a mechanic, and nobody's helping you, and you curl up in a ball and cry, 
you better give yourself a small timeline to allow yourself to wallow in self-pity. Then you get your ass up and you figure out how to get things done. Okay? Doing the dishes, easy. You can do it. Laundry, you can get it done. Finding a mechanic, that's expensive and it will be more time-consuming. But you can do it. Okay, on to the next topic. So, for yourself... Remember, you cannot change other people. Get rid of the pessimism. Start changing the way you think. Give yourself a new perspective. When you start to see the world differently, the world becomes a whole different place. It's that law of attraction. What we give, we get. And I talk about it all the time, and it's so true. So... How can you start seeing things differently? Now, this incorporates some good DBT. You tell yourself, I can handle this. Your urge surfing. You might have the urge to recoil, go to a safe place, avoid. You might have the urge to lash out. Instead, like a surfboard on the ocean, you sit and you ride the wave and you tell yourself, I can handle this. I can adapt to it. I can overcome this. I can choose to be happy. I can be positive and optimistic. What do I have to be grateful for? What is good in my life? What kind of progress have I made in the past week using DBT? I know how to stay calm and manage my distress. I can do some deep breathing. I can do visualization of a happy place. I can do a body scan and relax those areas that are tensed up right now. I can take a walk in nature. I have so many different tools to calm myself down. I can handle this. I am not alone. I am not hopeless. I can face my fears. I can comfort myself. I can count on my friends and my support network. I'm not afraid to try new things. I have really good ideas. I'm good at problem solving. And when things get tough, I know who I can rely on and I'm not afraid to ask for help. So you're changing your thinking. You're having a little more confidence in yourself. So think about any area where you may be experiencing that learned helplessness um, and set some goals to change that and turn it around. And as we progress forward with DBT, we'll work on that. We'll work on incorporating those tools, okay? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I took this next part from my Al-Anon group. And if you're living with somebody who has addiction, alcohol, drugs, any other kind of addiction, it's not easy. And that's a huge vulnerability factor. And there are some things that they list out here that can help you. And um, this is from a conference in June of 2011. Um 
and it's called service tool so, bleh, sorry service tool number four and it's called suggested guidelines for living with an alcoholic this applies to alcohol addiction and any other addiction as well so you don't have to feel alone if you're living with somebody who has addiction Al-Anon is a fantastic support system and you can incorporate your DBT tools. You can also gain support and know that you're not alone. A lot of people are struggling through almost the exact same thing you're struggling through. And that's not to minimize your position. It's just to say that people with addictions usually exhibit similar behaviors across the board. You know, they lie, they're helpless, um... There are issues with sex. There are issues with money. There are issues with a lot of things. So a lot of their behaviors are very similar across the board. You just have, uh, they have different ways of not coping with it. I shouldn't say coping, not coping because their coping mechanism is to get high or get drunk. And then they have very unhealthy communication tools. So some of them will rage at you. Some of them will stonewall you and get quiet some of them will sneak behind your back and do terrible things and try to make you take the blame so whatever you're dealing with here's eight no 19 19 things that can maybe help you and if you'd like this worksheet if you can't find it when you try to look it up um, I did download a copy so I can definitely send it your way if you need it so number one, you no longer have to feel alone. Find some Al-Anon meetings. They have them through Zoom or in person. Um, sometimes your own way of thinking can deceive you. Have an inadequate knowledge of the disease of alcoholism and drug addiction can be confusing. Create despair and anxiety. Um, sharing experiences with other Al-Anon members who have common problems will widen your understanding and open new and better ways for you to deal with difficulties. Number two, you no longer have to hide the fact that you're seeking help. Begin by letting the addict in your life know that you're seeking help. Seek out all the resources that are available to you through your local churches, through Al-Anon, through other support groups. Help is available uh, for the family members from alcoholics and addicts all over the place. You can talk to your doctor, your pastor social workers. They have clinics, they have groups. So start now to understand and plan for your own recovery. Um, To do nothing and just try to handle it yourself is the worst mistake you can make. Number three, you no longer have to deny the excessive drinking or drug use. You accept that this addict is a sick person. They need help. It's up to them to get help. Um, They can't be controlled. And you have to accept that their addiction is a progressive illness. It's like a black cloud in their brain. And it's likely to get worse as long as their addiction continues. So don't expect them to throw their booze away and say, Yay, I quit because I love you. It's not going to happen. Don't expect them to throw away their dope and say, I did this for us. I want to be healthy and I love you. It's not going to happen. It won't happen until they're ready to do that. And that could be never. Number four, you did not cause this person's addiction. You don't have to be concerned with all the reasons for the addiction. You don't have to blame yourself. 
Um, they engage in their addictions because they're addicts. So you start focusing on your own actions and your own shortcomings. Number five, you can't control their, their use of their addictive drug of choice. If, if their drinking is causing problems, they, they can be made aware of it and be held accountable. You don't have to make threats. You don't have to dump out their booze. You don't have, you know, just let them know. I don't accept this from you. It's, it's bullshit. I deserve better. I'm not going to sit here and engage in this. You cannot cure. Number six, you cannot cure your alcoholic or your addict. You cannot cure them. You cannot control them. Number seven, you no longer have to blame them for all your problems. And that's, that's a trap we fall into. That's where we gain that helplessness. It's like, man, I wish my life was better, but this freaking alcoholic or drug addict over here is just ruining my life. Stop letting them do it. Start living for yourself. You can't blame them for it. Yes, they've done a lot of terrible things. And yes, they've lied and they've cheated probably. And they've done all these things, right? Maybe they didn't cheat. Maybe they did other things like throw up all over the bathroom and you continuously cleaning it. Um, Maybe they do make your life a living hell. But you have the power to really reduce that living hell quite a bit if you start to focus on you. Um, you don't have to let their feelings determine your feelings and behaviors. Live for yourself. Choose to be happy. Choose you. You don't have to remain the passive victim of their, um, so-called illness. You can ask for help and take your life back. You can detach from the situation by refusing to ingest and internalize their words, their criticisms, or their pain. You can create physical, emotional, and spiritual distance between the two of you by detaching when you've had enough. And detaching, um, there's no specific tool in DBT called detaching, but there are tools in DBT that help you to detach. Um, You no longer have to lecture, nag, coax, or reason with the addict in your life. You don't have to do that anymore. Start telling yourself you can't win an argument with somebody who's high or drunk. You just can't. So let it go. Choose your battles. Okay? Choose your battles. You don't have to accept or extract promises or switch agreements. Um, Alcoholics and addicts often make promises and agreements as a method of postponing their pain. Boy, read that again. They often make promises and agreements as a method of postponing their pain. Start rejecting them. When you try to reason or demand certain behavior, you only increase their need to lie or force them to make a promise they cannot possibly keep. Likely, they won't even remember the conversation the next day. So, don't bother. You don't have to uh, hide or dump out their alcohol or drugs You're just inviting them to find more ways of getting more and more ways of lying and sneaking and hiding and driving you nuts. So forget it. You don't have to rescue them. You don't have to feel helpless about them. Um, If they're assaulting you, you can find a place to get out of there. You can go to a shelter. There's somebody somewhere that can help you. Look for resources. Don't stay there if they're hitting you. Don't stay there if they're emotionally tormenting you. 
and abusing you to the point where you're feeling helpless. You're not helpless. Get out of there. Uh, you don't have to follow other people's advice. You decide what's right for you. Close family and friends might be uh, feeling like telling you that you're stupid. Why do you stay? You're stupid. Um, and you might feel confused or hurt or pissed off at their input. Um, people who understand addiction can help you discover the answers to a lot of the questions you have in your own time and in your own way. So forget about their unwanted advice. Um, if you're turning to them because you just need to vent and you need someone to love you in that moment, tell them I'm seeking comfort right now, not solutions. I just want somebody to tell me I matter and love me and hear me out so I can vent. Make sure you specify that before you begin so that they know, you know, not to start throwing advice at you. You don't have to follow any of the suggestions I just gave you either. This is just a guide to be used with intelligence and evaluation to adapt to your own individual and personal circumstances. Okay. So vulnerability factors. If you do this to others or if it's being done to you, this is a big vulnerability factor for you. Gaslighting. Gaslighting is a manipulation tactic in which a person, in order to gain more power, makes a victim question their own sanity or reality. If somebody is gaslighting you, they will tell blatant lies about you to others or to your face about others, just lies in general. They deny they ever said or did something even though you have proof. You know, maybe last night the person you were with told you that um, they think your best friend has a really nice rack. <laughs> and this morning you say, you know, that that made me feel uncomfortable. And it frankly, it hurt my feelings that you're checking out my friend's breasts, you know. And they'll look at you and say, what in the hell are you talking about? And you'll say, well, last night you said she had a great rack and they'll twist their face up and they'll look at you and they'll say, oh my God, you're exaggerating. I never even said that. I don't know where you get this crap from making you feel like you just sit around and think of things you can make up stories about so that you can get angry to get attention or something. It is so frustrating when they do that. And it definitely makes for a huge vulnerability factor because in that moment, you're going to have so many urges. You're going to have the urge to break things. You're going to have the urge to slap them. You're going to have the urge to scream at them. You're going to have the urge to prove you're telling the truth. To prove to them, to make them see, and you're going to have the urge to try to get them to apologize. None of, it's like beating your head on a brick wall, forget it. They'll make you question your own reality. You know, they'll tell you, you, like the movie Gaslight, he told her, you know, you're always losing things. And she, she looks up with this puzzled look on her face and she's like, do I? And then he gives her this, um, 
this brooch or, or pin to put on her dress. And he's, she says, oh, I'll just put it in my purse for now. And he says, well, you better let me hold on to it because you're always losing things. And she's like, I am. And then she says, no, no, I, I don't lose things. So she said, I'll put it in my purse. And while they were out to dinner with their friends, he snatched, he snatched it out of her purse and he put it in his pocket. And then after he did that, without her knowing, he said, oh, honey, show them the brooch I just bought you. And she says, oh, my, it is just beautiful. And she starts to pull it out of her purse. And then she's frantically searching her purse. And she says, oh, no, it's not in here. And he said, oh, honey, I told you, you're always losing things. You should have just let me hold it for you. And then she goes into like this anxiety attack. And then he tells his friends, oh, she's not well. I need to take her home. So he convinces her that she's out of her mind. She's doubting her own reality. And when you are doubting your own reality and your, your sanity becomes part of the question as well, you really, you really do just uh, decompensate and go into a downward spiral. So being aware that you're being gaslighted really takes the power out of gaslighting. So now that you're aware, now that your eyes are open to what gaslighting is, People won't be able to gaslight you because you'll see it and you'll say, wait a minute, this is gaslighting, you're a jerk. Um, Gaslighters will throw in positive reinforcement sometimes to confuse you. You know, they'll tell you you lose things all the time and you're, you're not well and they're concerned about your mental health. And then they'll say something like, you know, you're so intelligent. You are such an intelligent person. You have the greatest memory. I don't know how you can remember all the details of stuff that you remember. It's in, it's incredible. Yet, they also tell you that your memory sucks, that they never did that, you know. So, um, they'll use confusion to weaken you. So, they're getting you confused about yourself and your own reality. And then you become a little helpless in the situation. Um, they tell you that you're crazy and they tell other people that you're crazy. They align other people against you by telling them that you're crazy and unstable and they're concerned about your health and all those things. And they tell you that everybody else is lying to you and they can do that in a vicious way. It could be something as simple as, oh yeah, they, they're all lying to you. Um, none of them... None of them did what you asked them to do, but they said they did. They're all lying. Or they could say, everybody's lying to you. Your haircut does not look nice. You look like crap. You look like a man with that haircut. Um, They're all lying. It's not cute. So just remember, gaslighting only works when a victim isn't aware of what's going on. Once you become awake to that pattern and that tactic... It's not going to work on you anymore. It's like when you learn how a magician does a trick. It's not fascinating anymore. And they can't fool you. Okay? The next one on the list, the next vulnerability factor, is emotional blackmail. Emotional blackmail is a dysfunctional form of manipulation that people use to place demands and threaten victims to get what they want. The undertone of emotional blackmail is if you don't do what I want, when I want, you will suffer. So the emotional blackmailer 
really doesn't have any healthy coping skills or any any kind of go-to methods for communicating in a healthy manner. They always they always use like stonewalling, slamming doors, threatening, stomping around, breaking stuff, engaging in other damaging behaviors to get what they want. They typically don't have the tools available to understand how to get their needs met. So, a few examples. Uh, if I don't get my way, I'll kill myself. If you leave me, I'll kill myself. If, if you, if you don't come home by 4 PM, I will kill myself. If you keep working 16 hours a day and not spending time with me, I'm just going to kill myself. Um, they're playing on your emotions and, and that's a terrible feeling to have somebody tell you that, that it'll be your fault. They kill themselves. So you better do what they want. Um, they, they may also say something like, I already discussed this with our pastor or our therapist or our friends, and they agree that you are being unreasonable. So now they're, they're pitting other people against you, gaslighting, right? And they're also making you feel like everybody is judging you in a negative way. So if you don't go along to get along, everybody's going to think you're a nut. Um, they might say, I'm taking this vacation with or without you. And you have to go on that vacation with them or you're going to feel like they're probably going to cheat. You know, they're hinting that they're going to go on this cruise and sleep with everybody if I don't go with them. And I don't want to be cheated on. That feels terrible. Or they're going to go on this vacation without you and they won't have as much fun because they're not with you and they'd rather be with you. But if, you know, if you're not going to go, they're still going and maybe they're planning to go on this vacation with their ex and their ex's whole family. And you have expressed millions of times that you're just not really comfortable hanging out with their ex. It's weird for you. And they tell you, well, I have to go because, uh, you know, we have, we have kids together and all this stuff and I have to go with them to their cabin and spend a week there to see my kids. Um, no, you don't, <laughs> but, uh, they'll say that and then they'll make you feel like you're a crazy, selfish prick because you don't want to go spend like time that close with his ex and their family. And he'll continuously say, well, I, I want to be with you. I really don't want to go, but I have to. But I want to be with you. Just go with me. Everybody will like you. You don't have to worry. Everybody, they like you. Yeah, don't worry. You should go with me. I love you so much. I just want you to be with me. And then it will it'll come down to something like, uh, my car's not running so good. And I'm afraid it'll break down and I'll be stranded out in the middle of the woods. And, and your car runs great. So... Why don't we, why don't you go with me and we'll bring your car? They'll just continuously play on your guilt, play on your fears, um, cause you to wipe out your own boundaries and they'll push and push and poke and poke and poke until you finally give in and say, okay, okay, shit. Okay. Just, just shut up. Um, they'll say things to you like, how can you say you love me and still be friends with those people? Um, Maybe they don't like your friends and they're trying to isolate you. Now, on the flip side of this, if if your significant other has friends who are completely and totally disrespectful towards you, 
or they're constantly trying to get you to sleep with them behind his back. And you tell him, hey, that's not your friend. That guy is actively trying to get me into bed every time you're not looking. Or your friends are very, very rude and disrespectful to me. Yet he continues to invite them over time and time again, making you uncomfortable. That would be a reasonable time to say, how can you say you love me but still be friends with them, you know? Um, but yeah, emotional blackmail sucks. If you're being emotionally blackmailed, understanding how it works is your empowerment. Because just like gaslighting, once you understand it, it can't have that effect on you anymore, okay? You have the power now. Okay, the next one is called negging, N-E-G-G-I-N-G, negging. This is when a person tries to manipulate you into feeling bad about yourself. And this happens in a few different ways. They give backhanded compliments. Oh, you look great. I would never be brave enough to wear my hair like that with your face shape. Oh, that shirt's beautiful on you. It's really not your color, though. Uh, they compare you to other people. Your sister gets straight A's. Why can't you be more like her? Or your sister has a rockin' body. You should, like, be like her and go work out. Or they're always just joking when you call them on their, on their negging. Like, um... A friend along, and this is going to be a little bit sexually graphic, okay? I apologize, but it's a great example of negging and just joking. A friend uh, was telling me that in the beginning of her relationship, when they had the talks about sexual fantasies, um, he had told her that his fantasy was for her to just sit on his face. <laughs> so... Um, that was, that was like something she'd say, okay, let's, let's have my fantasy and you have yours, right? Well, the sex had ceased in that relationship. It had ceased. There was no physical affection. There was no sex. He had completely detached from her. She was in a whirlwind of trying to figure out what she was doing wrong and how, you know, and, and stress. And she was a stress eater and she gained 15 pounds. And one day she, you know, everybody told her it's just 15 pounds. It's not a huge deal. You still look great. You're just more curvy. You look great. And, um, she was feeling brave and she walked over to him and she said, you know what I want to do tonight? And he said, what? And she said, I want to sit on your face. And he looked her dead in the eye and he said, Oh, like Humpty Dumpty, Humpty Dumpty right? She was so insulted. She just felt like she just got slapped in the face and she stood back and she said, that was seriously fucking rude. And he goes, Oh my God, I was just kidding. Calm down. That's a perfect example of negging. And that, oof, that's a horrible, negging is a horrible thing. Um, they'll insult you under the guise of constructive criticism. That report was terrible, but the subject is completely over your head after all. <laughs> oh, people like that you want to slap, right? So DBT skills are going to really help you because you're going to have that urge to just slap, slap, bap, bap, Jerry Springer coming out. Um, you're going to have that urge 
but you're not going to react because you're going to have those DBT skills. They disguise insults as questions. Hey, don't take this the wrong way, but are you really going to eat all that by yourself? That's a lot of food. Calling you a pig. They make you feel sorry for voicing your concerns and they minimize their own mistreatment. So, negging is another form of gaslighting. Let's take a really quick break. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, we're back. So love bombing. You've heard this before, I'm sure. This is a tactic that happens when they overwhelm you with uh, gifts, affection, uh, praise, and it's all to uh, gain control of your behaviors. So somebody trying to love bomb you, they give you a ton of gifts. This often includes over-the-top gestures, uh, flowers, jewelry, trip to Mexico. The point of this is to make you feel like you owe them something in return. So they're doing this with a hidden, a hidden agenda. It's not just like, oh, they're so charming and generous and sweet. No, honey, they expect some payback and you're not probably not going to like what they want you to do to pay them back. Um, they give you constant praise, like saying, you're the only person I want to spend time with. You're the only person I've ever loved. I never knew love until I met you. I've never met anyone like you. You're perfect. Everybody else I've ever met has been a pile of shit, but you're a golden coated goddess from above. Woo. They want to be in constant communication with you. They're texting and calling and messaging social media all day long, every day, all day. They like everything you post. They, uh, respond with fire, fire, fire on all of your pictures. They are all over you 24-7 like a fly on shit and you start to feel a little smothered. And they get upset when you set boundaries with them. When you try to tell a love bomber to slow down or set any kind of boundary, they get really upset and they can they can like accuse you of not caring about them or accuse you of not loving them and then they might fall into the whole, oh... I'm going to kill myself. You know, emotional blackmail. <laughs> so love bombing. Now that you know how it works, be aware. And it won't affect you as badly. And today I want to end with this Al-Anon family group. Um, it's called Just for Today. And I don't have an author for this. I just got it from the Al-Anon group, but it doesn't have an author listed. I think it might come from their book. Um, it's very similar to um, the promises of codependency as well. So just for today, I'll try to live through this only day. I'll not tackle all my problems at once. I can do something for 12 hours that would appall me if I felt that I had to keep it up for a lifetime. I can do something for 12 hours that would appall me 
if I felt that I had to keep it up for a lifetime. So instead of doing that, you're just going to live through the day. You're not going to try to tackle everything at once. And just for today, I'll be happy. This assumes to be true what Abraham Lincoln said, that most folks are as happy as they make up their minds to be. So just for today, I choose to be happy. Just for today, I will adjust myself to what is. I'll be using radical acceptance, and I won't be judging or trying to adjust everything to my own desires. I'll just roll with it today. Just for today, I'll try to strengthen my mind. I'll study something I'm interested in. I'll learn something useful, and I will not be a mental couch potato. (laughs) I will read something that requires some effort, thought, and concentration. Just for today, I will exercise my soul in three ways. I'll do somebody, I'll do somebody a favor. I'll do something good for somebody. And I won't get found out. I won't share it on social media. I won't brag about it. It'll be my secret. I will secretly do something awesome for somebody else. And I'll keep my mouth shut. That way the magic stays in my heart longer. And I get to feel the joy of that all alone. I don't have to share it. And I will do at least two things I don't want to do. For exercise just for exercise. Maybe I don't want to go to the gym today because I'm feeling lazy. Well, guess what? I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I will not show anyone that my feelings are hurt. They might be hurt, but I won't show it today. Just for today. I'll bite my tongue. I'll use my urge surfing DBT skills, and I won't express my feelings are hurt today. I'll talk about it tomorrow. And just for today, I will be agreeable I will glow up and look as nice as I can. I'll keep my voice low instead of yelling. I'll be courteous. I won't criticize or judge. I'll just try to improve and regulate myself. And that's it. And I hope just for today you practice on that. And utilize mindfulness. A couple mindfulness exercises for today, okay? Stay tuned for DBT3. I hope this was helpful. Thanks for tuning in.